You're listening to the Money Train Sports Betting Podcast. Now, here are your degenerate hosts, Derek Timmons and Uncle Chad. Yeah, baby. Welcome in to another episode of the Money Train Bet Sports Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Timmons, and my new co-host is Uncle Chet. I am so beside myself, Uncle Chet, man. We had this beautiful episode recorded, and I and I went and <laughs> fucked it up, dude. It's just, I guess that's what happens when you take take like eight months off. You forget you, you forget the simple things in life. Well, you know what? It, it could have very well been the the drizzling shits. So you know what? I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take the universe's uh, direction here and uh, just re-record. Maybe we can uh, we can help the listeners out. So, but you know, shit happens, just like in sports, just like in betting, and uh, F it. Let's move forward. All right, we're talking college football futures here, championship odds, conference odds, and Heisman Trophy odds. Let's start off with uh, conference odds, Uncle Chet. We talked about um, Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati last season. I'm a big Desmond Ritter fan. He really took a step forward last year, and I expect him to further progress this season. They do have a bit of a rough schedule early on with the back-to-back road games at Indiana and at Notre Dame. Um, they lost their two starting tackles last year, so that could be a bit of an adjustment. They lost their leading rusher in Jared Dokes, but they do have a Alabama transfer coming in to fill in the leading rusher role. And I expect big things from him. The defense was number 13 nationally last year, and I expect them to continue and build on that success. Um, They're plus 15,000 to win a national championship. They'd have to go undefeated to be in the conversation for for college football playoffs. I I wouldn't bet them until after that road game. At that first road game at Indiana, if they get through Indiana, I fully expect them to get through Notre Dame because I'm not expecting big things from Notre Dame this season. But I'm definitely going to have my, a close eye on Cincinnati this season. You know, and, and, and most sports fans should, right? So if you're a sports better, I think plus 15,000 obviously scares you off a little bit. You know, by comparison, OJ being innocent is also a plus 15,000. So, you know, <laughs> let's, 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 let's take that, in, you know, in stride. But, you know, obviously, with the American the way it is, Clemson is ob- or sorry, uh, Cincinnati is clearly the best team in the conference, right? They, they, I think that they might have the best defensive personnel in the country um, in terms of continuity, in terms of teamwork, in terms of coaching. I think Cincinnati is right there with anyone. The question isn't can Cincinnati win their conference? That's obviously not any you know any mystery. I think that they will. The real question is, is will Cincinnati crash the playoffs? And I think that if the voters have shown you anything over the course of the last decade, it's that they won't. It would take a colossal meltdown from the Power Five for that to happen. And I think that that's even less likely this year with the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. So, you know, if you're asking me, do I think that Cincinnati can win their conference? Absolutely. I think it's a lock. I don't think that there's anyone that can challenge them, but... In terms of winning a national title, probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I can see that. They are minus 160 to win the ACC, AAC. I think that's a tremendous value right there in and of itself. Um, let's talk about the Big 12. Um, 
we're both big Iowa State fans this season, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, let, let's let's go ahead and look at the best coach in the conference. Um, so we'll go ahead and put a big check mark next to Matt Campbell. I think the, the fact that Matt Campbell didn't leave the NFL is a shocker. I think if you put him in the NFL right now, he would be a top 10 X's nose coach. But obviously he elected to stay with Iowa State. And I think that he's a far superior coach to Lincoln Riley. I think if you put Matt Campbell at Oklahoma, I think that they would be a significantly bigger favorite to win the conference. But I digress. I think that Oklahoma State, or sorry, Iowa State, you know, they get a, you know, 88% of their retarder, or sorry, their, uh, their, their starters returning, which I think is huge. I think continuity is huge specifically in this conference, whereas Oklahoma is only returning. Let's take a look here real quick. Oklahoma is only returning 76% of their starters, but they're returning those starters at key offensive positions such as tackle, left tackle, and, and whatnot. So I think Iowa State is building a culture. They have a better coach. And at plus 250 to win the conference, I think it's worth a shot. I think this is – the odds makers are telling you with this specific conference, it's extremely competitively priced. Give me Iowa State, plus 250 to win the conference. Yeah, Oklahoma minus 140 – you you'd assume it would be higher, but it just minus one forty just look, looks like it's got trap ran all over it. Absolutely, I, I think that uh, it's important to think that you know the odds makers, you know, they're not throwing for, and <laughs> with this specific line, it would be a hey, run to your local cashier and cash out a hundred dollars at the end of the season. That's that's not what they do. That's not how they build casinos. The way they build casinos is trapping you on that minus 170 with Spencer, Spencer Rattler, who, quite frankly, struggled in times on the road last year. So, uh, yeah, again, give me, give me Iowa State. I think they're a top-five program. I think Matt Campbell can outcoach anyone in the country. Yeah, moving on to the Big Ten here. Um, Indiana is a team we, we both like as well. Uh, Michael Penix, Jr., returning court, starting quarterback. Arguably the best coach in the conference, arguably the best defense in the conference. Um, they currently, when I when I saw them sev- with the seventh best odds to win the Big Ten, my eyebrow kind of just raised with the phenomenal season they had last year. Uh, on William Hill, Hill, they're currently sitting at twenty to one odds here. Yeah, it, it seems a bit odd. Uh, so, further examination, you, you initially look at these odds and you see uh, Ohio State uh, minus 220. And I think that, uh, you know, a majority of public bettors will look at that and go, oh, that's, that's pretty good odds. And, and quite frankly, it is. But, you know, further examination, you know, Ohio State's returning only 50% of their players from last year. And at key positions, we're not talking about, you know, water boy. We're not talking about, you know, backup left tackle. We're talking about key positions the cornerstone of their franchise so you know cj stroud relatively unproven and one thing i can tell you is even with justin fields last year you know they struggled against indiana tom allen clearly had a great game plan against them indiana you know their bedrock is you know players that play hard you know players that commit to the culture and these are a lot of players who weren't recruited by, you know, big-time Big Ten colleges. So these are guys who are built in and are really committed to their senior year and not necessarily thinking about the next year. So 
you know, Indiana plus 2,000 to win the conference. I don't think it's crazy. Michael Penix might be the best player in the conference. And Indiana's toughest games, Cincinnati, Michigan State, and Ohio State, guess what? They're all at home. So, you know, if you give me some points, likely, and uh, you give me some drunk Bloomington kids <laughs> on a Saturday morning or Saturday night, God forbid, when they schedule it, I think Indiana is a better coach team. I think Indiana is a more continu- continuitous team. Give me plus 2,000. I think that uh, Ohio State, uh, Ryan Day is extremely overrated. So go ahead and give me uh, plus 2,000. Yeah. Going, pulling the overrated card. I like it. Early on. <laughs> <laughs> Not even 10 minutes in the podcast where we're calling somebody overrated. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, Ryan Day is getting, getting – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and coin the phrase, Ryan Day is getting milk crated. Ten minutes into the into the podcast, he's getting milk crated. I gotta come up with a soundbite for that milk crate. Oh yeah, milk crated, baby. Yeah, he's on the front of a milk cart and he's missing. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, Pac twelve. Who do you, who do you like coming out of this conference here? Okay, so this is this is an interesting conference, right? So let me go ahead and turn to my notes here. Pass my uh, my hustler magazine that I bought at a Seven Eleven this morning. Um, All right, so we'll go to Pac twelve. So. You know, initially looking at the odds, you know, obviously Oregon is plus 250. That's initially where your mind should go, right? You know, um, so I look for every reason. That's where my mind is Every reason, right? Oregon. (laughs) So, you know, I look for every reason to back Oregon here. And obviously, they're absolutely loaded on both sides of the football. There's no doubting that. Anthony Brown is a Boston College transfer. He's a Lamar Jackson type. And I, I and quite frankly, I think he's going to give a lot of defenses in the Pac-12 a lot of trouble. But looking at their schedule, I think it's a problem. I think they, they go to they go to Rice Eccles in Utah. They go to Washington. They go to UCLA at ten o'clock at night on a Friday night. That should be a trouble. And they go to Stanford. And then guess what? They get the Buckeyes in a neutral site game. So I think Oregon's in a lot of trouble this year. I think Mario Cristobal is a good coach. He's not a great coach. And unfortunately, I think it's built in the line. Arizona State's the best team in the conference. I know they're third in the rankings. I know most people in the comments section will absolutely, you know, shit all over this, and that's okay. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, college football is all about uh, is all about uh, junior and senior leadership, right? It's all about that. So Manny Wilkins at Arizona State, not to mention they get an extremely favorable schedule, but – Manny Wilkins might be the best player in the conference, and I'm getting plus 400. That seems pretty good value. And not to mention, anyone who goes to Arizona State, it's likely starting at 7, 8, 9, West Coast time. It's still 100 degrees outside. It's huge second uh, second half advantage for anyone who's already practiced in that heat. So uh, give me Arizona State. I think they're they're the best team in the conference. I think it's a super mispriced, and I think that – I think Oregon's in for a uh, a rude awakening here. I gotta I gotta disagree with you on this one. I gotta go with Oregon. Um, I don't think you could deny they have the most talented roster in this conference. Yeah, top to absolutely. bottom. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's just a, it's just a matter if they can put it together. I mean, but we've seen it year years past. They've been able to dominate this conference, and I don't think this year's gonna be any different. Uh, last year was was a bit of a disappointment. They had college football aspirations coming coming in the last season, 
fell just short with an appearance in the Fiesta Bowl. I believe they lost that game. Um, and they have, they're coming this season with college football playoff aspirations once again. And in order to, order to do that, accomplish that, they've got to win this Pac-12 conference here. And I am a bit concerned about their schedule. Don't get me wrong. But if they do lose to Ohio State in neutral site game, if that being their only loss on the season, I don't think that's going to deter voters to keep them out of the college football playoffs this season. Well, and I and I agree with you. The problem is this: is that Oregon's or sorry, the Pac-12's absolutely abysmal record in any bowl game. I think will keep them out of any national title consideration, right? So if it's between them and Iowa State, Iowa State's getting the nod. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. I mean, I you know the Pac-12 has a worse track record than you know. It really anything at this point. They have the worst track record than any Atlanta sports team as an Atlanta sports fan. Like <laughs> the Braves can't be trusted in any old series. The Buffalo Bills can't be trusted in any Super Bowl. It's just the way it goes. And and quite frankly, I think that's essentially the same thing that you can transition to any Pac-12 team. When you when you put them up against any elite competition, they get absolutely smacked right across the face. So, you know, does Oregon have enough firepower to win their conference? Absolutely. But the question is, is can they beat the fourth best team in the SEC? Probably not. Can they beat the second best team in the Big Ten? Probably not. Can they beat the second best team in the ACC? Probably not. So the Pac-12 was kind of like the kids' table at Christmas, right? So, you know, I would come down from Georgia and I'd visit my family. And, you know, regardless, I was six foot two at 14 years old. I'd still be at the kids' table. And I feel like that's exactly where Oregon is now. So let's face it, your growth spurts hit, but you're still not taken seriously. Sorry, Pac-12. All I can say is if Oregon goes into that game against Ohio State and pulls off a W, I'm gonna be all on that hype train. I'm just saying. I'm saying it uh, now. A thousand percent. But they have four tough road games. That's the thing. Is they if they lose at Stanford, the 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 selection committee is gonna shit all over that. You know how that goes, right? I don't see them losing on the road to Stanford. I, I don't, don't see them either. But if they trip up on one of those games, they're done. You know that. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I didn't the, see them. I didn't see them going to Oregon State and losing last year either. But that's what they did. Fair enough. I think that Oregon, from an athletic standpoint, can hold up with almost anyone in the country. The problem is, is that I'm not sure Mario Cristobal is a good enough coach, right? So if you know, if you put Nick Saban in Oregon, they're winning 40 points a game, right? Easily. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Mario. If you can't win 11 games, 10 games, whatever the schedule you know calls for. If you can't dominate the Pac-12 at this point in your career, when you've been there for X amount of years, what are you doing, right? So Mario Cristobal is fantastic. David Shaw is great, but you you have only a small sector of people you can recruit. So, you know, David Shaw is probably the best coach in the Pac-12, let's face it. But at the end of the day, Mario Cristobal is being gifted the best recruits. So this is a make or break year. I mean, if he can't win, you know, at least one playoff game, he might be out. Sorry, I hate to say it, but, you know, Mario Cristobal couldn't coach in the SEC. He couldn't coach in the Big Ten. And, he, and quite frankly, he probably couldn't coach in the ACC. So let's, let's, let's temper our, temper our uh, expectations. This <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all saw, I mean, those who paid attention to Oregon might be wondering, what happened to Tyler Show? He wasn't he the starting quarterback last year? He absolutely he was. was. He but, to Texas Tech. Yep, 
That's what I was getting at. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So that's why that's why Anthony Brown is taking over, transferred from Boston College. All right, let's go to the SEC. This is your your best conference here, Uncle Chet. Let's. All right, I'm going to give you guys one best bet here. Okay, it has nothing to do with preseason reads. It has everything to do with the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Okay, so. As an SEC guy, as someone who has lived and breathed SEC football, specifically Auburn football, I think it's very important for you guys to live with my pain, okay? So, Derek and myself will be going to Planet Hollywood the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I'm going to get bludgeoned emotionally because Alabama is traveling to Jordan-Hare Stadium Saturday after Thanksgiving. Specifically, Alabama will be avenging a lot. Here's my best bet. I don't care what the spread is. <laughs> you bet Alabama because every time we defeat them the year next, they absolutely bludgeon us. Don't look at the number. Bet Alabama. Make yourself some cash. It hurts. Just make sure you buy me a drink if you see me. Now, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and roll into the SEC here, guys. Um, Alabama is a 165 favorite. I think that is it's a trap, to be completely honest with you. I don't even like that word. It's a four-letter word to me. It's a four-letter word to most of my friends, Derek included. But I feel like this is a big-time trap line. Here's why. Bama has 55% of their starters remaining. This is weird. Have you ever seen Alabama at 165 after defending a national title? This seems too easy, folks. Avoid it. I'm not saying it's not going to cash. But at 165, there's zero value. There's zero value. Now, LSU, good team. I don't trust, you know, Coach O as any sort of X's nose coach, specifically in the SEC where X's nose are extremely important. I would look at Georgia. I like Georgia plus 200. I think Kirby Smart is a phenomenal coach. He might even be better X's nose than Nick Saban himself. But at plus 200, you have a returning quarterback of JT Daniels who has some continuity. He's coming off a huge win against a phenomenal defense we've already spoken about Cincinnati. He's got some confidence going and let's look at it, right? So Georgia, uh, JT Daniels, let's face it. They play, uh, they play, they play Clemson pretty early. You know, truth be told, they're, you know, they're probably a, a significant underdog there, but after that they get UAB, they get South Carolina, they get Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Auburn rebuilding. I'm crying a little bit. Kentucky, Florida, huge rebuild. Mizzou, Tennessee, and Georgia wreck, as my dad likes to call them. But anyway, these are all winnable games, right? So at the end of the day, Georgia is going to get a very weakened SEC West opponent. Sorry, SEC East opponent um, at the end of the year. So long story short, Georgia is going to get a weakened opponent in the SEC title game. And... Quite frankly, I think they're going to be rested. I think they're going to be ready. And I think they have all the motivation and the better quarterback. So uh, give me Georgia plus 200. I think this line is telling. I think that Bama is – they're on the ropes. I think they're on the ropes as a program. And there's a there's – a, I think there's a there's some movement here. And Brian Harshin in Auburn should, in a couple of years, he should have something to say about it. Not buying Bryce Young, freshman quarterback, are you? Nope. Not a bit. Not a bit at all. Interesting. Too much parity in the SEC. There's too many defenses, and uh, I think that uh, this is Georgia's time. I really do. Well, unlike you, I'm 
not necessarily high on LSU, but it's definitely a, an intriguing line I'm looking at. I've got my eye on. Um, we saw it two years ago and back back in 2019. Expectations weren't real high coming into the season, but they're really able to come out of nowhere and and surprise and take the SEC on their way to the national championship on the shoulders of Joe Burrow. Albeit that was the year Alabama was injury riddled, so they may not have had Alabama at the strongest that season. Nonetheless, though, they are they they did they are returning a lot of stars on offense, um, defense especially. I I think just think this LSU squad that's in prime position to bounce back after their up and down season last year. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the value is certainly there. I think that LSU is certainly worth a look. Um, you, the question you have to ask yourself is: Is can LSU beat Alabama? The answer for me is no. So moving forward, you know, where where is Alabama going to trip up? Well, they're certainly not going to trip up at Jordan Air Stadium. That that's not the that's not the problem. So I think you know, long story short, I think LSU is on the rise. I think that LSU is a phenomenal program, but I still don't trust Coach O. I don't think he's a phenomenal coach. I don't think he's even an average coach, to be honest. I think he was blessed with, quite frankly, the best offensive talent that anyone has ever been blessed with. And uh, I think that uh, his time at Oregon is a much better indicator of his coaching prowess. So but I think uh, I think he slides back even further this year. But, see, you, you can make the argument he wasn't – he didn't have that talent coming into 2019 – they weren't expected to be that good, so and they I, got they got. If I remember correctly, they got smoked in a bowl game, right? Or did they beat UCF? No, twenty nineteen. That's when they won the national championship. But the year before, they beat UCF. Am I wrong? Uh, I can't. I don't recall that far back, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that last year is a much better indicator of his coaching prowess when he has less talent. Can he coach them up? Obviously, Joe Burrow and that team phenomenal right you can't you can't even argue that they aren't elite probably top 10 all time right so you don't give any credit to to ogeron for that for that job no not at all i i really don't i think that they i think it was a perfect storm he had a quarterback who was coming into his own but they didn't know uh, that coming in the season that's fair i mean but he he played well enough to beat ucf right the year before or was it uh i think they i think they beat ucf in the national title game but you know, quite frankly, only you know, only time will tell. But I think that Orgeron has been average in more seasons than he's been good. And I think that the one year he was elite, he was blessed with more offensive talent than he knew what to do with. And I think he was smart enough to just back off, right? Justin Jefferson, he's got all these absolute freaks of nature. And I think that this year, you know, last year we can we can give him a pass. You know, it was a rebuilding year, but this year, these are his recruits. And uh, I think that he lost a lot of people because I don't think that they believe in his offensive philosophy. And I think that only truth would be told. Obviously, you and I can both be way off on this, but I don't think he's a particularly good X's and O's coach, and I think he's going to get eaten alive in the SEC. Really yeah, you make some valid points, no doubt. Uh, time, time will tell. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just a bigger believer in LSU and Ed Ogron than you are. I would be happy to be wrong, and here's why. I love Ed O. I would want to party with Ed O. I think I hope it, at the end of the college football season, you, me, and him are at you know MGM having some drinks, some cop, you know, some cop rooms, 
have some fun. I feel like he would chug beers with us, but if I'm being honest, I just I don't see the X's nose like a Matt Campbell, like a you know like a Nick Saban. I just I don't see it, man. I really don't. I think he's too much of a player's coach, and I think last year he saw, you know, that the house of cards kind of collapse on him because he wasn't a disciplinarian. He's just not. He's too much of a player's coach. You know, to our listeners, I played collegiate baseball. You know, and you have to be a either a player's coach or you have to be a X's and O's guy. And being in the middle is very difficult. And I think Ed Orgeron is too much on the player side. And I think that that works for a short time if you have a lot of talent. But I don't think he has a lot of talent this year. And I think that's where he really struggles. That's fair. Any other thoughts on SEC here or should we move on to Heisman? Uh, you know, obviously bet against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Um, I think Nick Saban's going to run the run the score up. He's been hearing, uh, you know, he's been hearing shit from the boosters for 12 months now. Um, so, you know, for all of our listeners, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, my favorite day of the year. Um, Auburn, you know, this year we traveled to Tuscaloosa. Um, last year we won. We embarrassed Saban. Um, it was a last-minute score. We probably shouldn't have won that game, to be honest. And every, you know, anytime we beat Alabama, we win. Or sorry, every time we beat Alabama, um, we essentially win on a fluke or a close score. And I think that this this year he's going to absolutely run the score up on us, which is indicative of what he does normally when we win the year before. So, um, yeah, absolutely bet against us. Um, that's the best bet I can give you. But moving forward, the SEC – that's pretty much all I got. I think Georgia's worth a look. Plus 600 is an absolute steal, specifically where Georgia plays in the SEC. I think Alabama is going to struggle early. So, you know, Nick Saban generally does average uh, the first four weeks while he gels his defense. So if you're going to bet against Alabama, the first four weeks is probably the time to do it. Um, I'm personally not going to brave that, but if you're going to do it, the first four weeks is the time to do it. Yep. All right, let's talk Heisman Trophy odds here. Who you got Perfect. your eye on? Uh, well, let's let's look at two guys. So first, um, you know, Spencer Rattler is a phenomenal player, but truthfully, I feel like they the voters have they have voter fatigue. I don't think they want to vote for Oklahoma quarterbacks anymore. I think it's too easy. I think they're starting to realize it's kind of a system, and I and I would actually agree with that assessment. I think that anyone who tells me that Spencer Rattler is going to win the Heisman? Eh, I don't think so. I think he's average. I think he struggles on the road. I think he struggles against good defenses. And anyone who looks at the last year or so on his performance, I think that pretty much pretty much lines up. So give me Sam Howell, actually, plus 1,400. I think uh, I think Sam Howell is the best player in the conference by, by far. And quite frankly, I think that it lines up, the schedule lines up really well with him. So... Um, let's see, UNC's best player, obviously, but he gets FSU, Miami, both at home, and he's going to get a few primetime games. Let's not, let's not, let's not overlook that, right? So Sam Howell's going to get a few games in ABC where he's playing Clemson, and he's going to allow himself to show how great he is to the voters. So it all aligns, right? Voter fatigue, it's going to go primetime games. And it's going to go schedule line up. I think Clemson is good. They're not great. And I think, I think quite, uh, 
quite frankly, Sam Hill has some really benef- you know, beneficial games lined up, and I, uh, I think he's, uh, he's worth a look. However, let's look to the Big 12 here. Uh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is kind of the prototypical quarterback that the, the, uh, the voters have voted for in the past, whether it be you know Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. But Brock Purdy's a better thrower than both of them. He's also in a senior year. So, you know, Iowa State has an extremely uh, beneficial schedule. And quite frankly, if they get through it, and if they get through a couple of really tough road games, Brock Purdy's right there. And he's got the best coach in college football, Matt Campbell, in my personal opinion, leading him along the way. So, you know that if uh, Matt Campbell gets an opportunity to throw on fourth and one or third and one or you know, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, he's always going to elect to go in the, the benefit of Brock Purdy, win a Heisman, because not only does that help with ratings, he helps with recruitment. So uh, to the best of my knowledge, Iowa State's never had a Heisman winner. So uh, Matt Campbell's going to do everything he can to win that Heisman for the, uh, for the school. So give me Brock Purdy, give me Sam Howell, two best quarterbacks in college football, and I think Spencer, Spencer Rattler is an absolute fraud. <laughs> and that's a hot take of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, the only problem I have with taking Sam Howell here is he pretty much has to win the ACC, in my mind, to win the Heisman. And that that's going to come down to him and DJ Ugalele. And if Clemson with DJ Ugalele wins the ACC, I don't like Sam Howell's chances to win the Heisman, no matter how, how good a season Howell has. That's my only bugaboo. And I agree with you, and here's why. But if Clemson wins a national title, it's not going to be on the strength of their offense. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. So DJ can't pronounce his fucking name. <laughs> you know, you can give me plus 500. I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. You, you won that one. <laughs> but long story short, if Clemson wins a national title, they're going to baby this guy. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play defense. You know, that, that's the way Clemson's going to win this year until they figure out what this guy's got. So, long story short, I think that Clemson's going to win a lot of 24 to 10 games. I think that Brock Purdy, in a, in a, in a very slow Heisman year, Sam Hell in a very slow Heisman year, they're going to light it up. There's the only two guys with the only two coaches who I feel are going to let them air it out, who benefit from recruiting, from winning a Heisman, who I feel like actually can do it. So, uh, Michael Penix, you might want to look at it that way, but I think those three guys, with the value, I think they're the way to look. Yeah, but I mean, going back to DJ, if you look back to that to to Trevor Lawrence's freshman year with Dabo, Dabo fully unleashed Trevor Lawrence. Now you could say Trevor Lawrence was definitely a more polished, better quarterback coming into college than DJ is. But DJ is more dynamic. He's a better runner than Trevor. Let's make no doubt about that. And I mean, Dabo's shown time and time again he doesn't he doesn't put training wheels on his quarterbacks early on in their collegiate careers. So I, I have to disagree with you on that take there. I would agree with you and here sorry, slightly disagree, slightly agree with you. Because obviously you're a sharp guy. But what I'm saying is this is that I think there is a real thing of voters, right? So I think that the voters really wish to vote based on the narrative. I think the voters don't necessarily vote on the best college football player. I think they want to vote on who they want to anoint 
as the, the next guy, right? Who can I create as the next star? It's like TV, right? So it's like ER with George Clooney. Great. Created like the guy. This is a guy we want to build up our franchise around. Sam Howell's that guy. Sam Howell's a good-looking guy. He's kind of Baker Mayfield-ish. And I think that that's what college football has become. It's become a TV rating thing. So, you know, give me Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell has a favorable schedule. I think this DJ guy, although phenomenal, I think he's a couple years away, and I think he will become the George Clooney of ER, or he'll become David Duchovny of Californication, or Michael V. Hall from, you know, from Dexter. I think I truly think that there's voter fatigue. They vote for the narrative. And I think the narrative says Sam Howell. I think the narrative says Brock Purdy. And I think the best thing for college football is a young, good-looking guy who dominates a conference that they shouldn't dominate. Sam Howell shouldn't dominate the ACC. And Brock Purdy shouldn't dominate the Big 12. And that's just the way it's going to go. And call me crazy, but I'm going to take some long shots this year. And for a guy who normally doesn't, who goes station to station, who bunts runners over, who is happy taking $200 profit a weekend, eh, I actually think some long shots are worth a look this year. Okay, I got I got one more counter argument here for you. Please. Um, you say NCAA is looking for face face of the of the NCAA football landscape, right? Now, wouldn't they go with a with a sophomore quarterback, first year starter, then awesome. over a senior, Sam Howell, and who's in his last season? But I think, but I think the voters are going to say, wow, is it him or is it the offense? Because Trevor Lawrence was really good in that offense, too. Like, it's the same shit that they did with innumerable amount of quarterbacks, right? So they're going to say, wow, this is kind of – this is kind of a, essentially a quarterback who took over a very favorable system, or is it, oh, shit, Sam Howell, man, this guy's really good. He looks like Baker Mayfield. He's a good-looking dude. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. But what I'm saying is this. I think different sells, right? Yeah. Non-traditional football schools, UNC, sells. And, you know, DJ might be the best DJ might be the best college football player in the country. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you there at all. He probably is. He may have been a top three college football player last year when he went to Notre Dame and dominated, right? And he held his own with very little preparation time. What I'm saying is this. I honestly think college football analysts, they bet the narrative, and that's shitty. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's just, but I'm saying that's accurate, right? Kyler Murray should have never won a Heisman. Yeah. Robert Griffin III should have never won a Heisman. Should have been Andrew Luck, right? But hey, it was Baylor. Cool. New program. That's the way it works. Right? So at the end of the day, I think these guys bet narratives. Andrew Luck was the best college football player for three years in a row. We all know that. Yeah, no, you're He ran over line. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. No, I'm just saying you're definitely making valid points here. All I'm saying is that I, I truly think these college football guys bet like ratings because I think that they do, to a degree, have some sort of stake in the ratings, whether it be indirect or direct. Let's bet the narrative. Sam Hell, fun guy, non-traditional football school. He's brash, cool guy. Brock Purdy, Matt Campbell, fun time. I truly think DJ is a couple years away. He might win next year, but Sam Howell wins this year. Yeah. So in summary, what we're saying is 
Don't bet Spencer Rattler. <laughs> I think Spencer Rattler might be the best, one of the three best college football players, but I think he's still a year away. Well, and then how often is it that we actually see the Heisman favorite coming in this, into the season actually win the Heisman? But but listen, listen, and I think that I think that Spencer Rattler is a phenomenal player. So don't don't allow me to misconstrue the conversation there. But what I am saying is this: Spencer Rattler struggled against K State defenses. He struggled against many Big Twelve defenses. Yeah. Right. So if you put Mac Jones against those same defenses, are we talking about him still, or is he benched? Could be benched. He'd be benched. So let's let's be honest here. Spencer Rattler, he's not good. He's good by Big Twelve standards. Okay, and I think that the voters have figured that out. They're over betting these guys who go to the NFL, who are decent. Baker Mayfield's decent. Kyler Murray's decent. But I think they're over about getting embarrassed in the NFL. So long story short, Spencer Rattler, he's not good. I'm sorry. He struggles against K-State. I could have started for K-State four years ago. I can't even move. Let's be honest, right? So, you know, with that being said, Spencer Rattler, good, not great. I think there's voter fatigue there. All right, let's talk about game lines. We actually got some games going on this weekend. Week zero. Good old week zero. Trusty. <laughs> Trusty, flaky, week zero. What do you got here, Uncle Chet? I feel like we've I feel like we've done this before, but anyway. <laughs> Deja vu, right? Only, only be, hey, I'm only doing this because I love you, dude. Because you're such a freaking legend, okay? Oh, I appreciate but, I appreciate you, man. You're really coming through 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 tonight. I got you, buddy. All right, so the only game I really like week one is I like Nebraska minus seven and a half. Now it opened at seven. Okay. Obviously, the sharper betters have got to do it quickly. They snag the, you know, they snag the flat touchdown. But hear me out. Nebraska is a team on the brink, right? So Nebraska is coached by a gentleman named Scott Frost. If you've heard of UCF, the national champions who defeated my Auburn Tigers in the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago. By the way, fuck them. Anyway, so. <laughs> They're the national champs. They call themselves national champs. And my, my father is still uh, pretty upset. But anyway, so Scott Frost built a, you know, a, a, a powder keg in a team like UCF who couldn't recruit anyone. And he's a phenomenal recruiter. And quite frankly, he's a phenomenal coach. Uh, he co- he uh, was the quarterback of the 1996 Nebraska title team that either won the national title or got to a title game. Okay. So, He's been there for three years, and quite frankly, I think this is a make-or-break year. So they're laying seven initially. They moved to seven and a half. Maybe the seven and a half. Illinois is not a team that has any sort of identity, and quite frankly, they might close their football program soon. So uh, the Fighting Illini are going to get absolutely smacked. It's the only game I like. I think that uh, Nebraska needs to make a statement, and Scott Frost, this is the time to do it. If he loses this game, he's going to get uh, – He's going to get some dirty looks. He's going to get pretty nasty pretty early. So they got to win this one, and they got to win it in in uh, an absolutely convincing fashion. So lay the seven and a half. Don't care if they're going to win by uh, double digits, and uh, that's the best bet of the week. All right, you heard it here first. Uncle Chet's going to ride you guys to victory this weekend. 
All right, any other thoughts here to add before we hang it up? Hopefully for good tonight. <laughs> you there, buddy? I'm sure am, buddy. All right, you got any last thoughts to add? Um, you know, other than that, I would say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a minute on kind of temperament on the one week zero. You know, I, I know our listeners have been chomping at the bit to get crazy week one. Honestly, guys stick to your betting pattern. So here's what I would suggest for you to do. So identify your bankroll. So your bankroll should be the amount of money you're willing to spend or the amount of money you have in your hand, right? It's not about future spending. It's about what you have now. So for example, let's say you have, you know, $5,000, right? You know, identify your bankroll. Your, your bankroll is $5,000. And then essentially identify what is your unit size. Your unit size is the amount of money you want to spend on each bet. So your your unit size should be about 1% to 2% of your bankroll. For me, it's about 2 So your unit size, your unit size should be about 2%. With the example given, five thousand, your unit size should be about one ten, so one hundred and ten dollars, uh, and basically to win a hundred. So, you know, be cautious. Stick to your unit size. Don't chase those one hundred and seventy or minus one hundred and eighty bets. Those are tricks. Stay away. Stick to your unit size, and uh, don't chase, guys. Like you know, if you make five bets a weekend and you lose three, give it up, man. There's always next weekend. And uh, we're going to go station to station. I'm a National League style of better. I'm going to go station to station. I'm going to bump runners over. And I'm going to be happy with $200 profit a weekend. You do that over the course of five, six years, and you got yourself a down payment on a condo. So, uh, and, and a condo. So uh, be cautious. Don't get too crazy. Stick to your damn unit size. The, the, the sports books want you to get crazy this weekend. So you continuously reach into your wallet. Do not do it, boys. We're here for you. Don't be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always say it's a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, we are available 24-7, or at least I am on Instagram, on Money Train Betters, Betters Podcast. I believe that's our handle. I can't. This time off has really got me forgetting things. And you can follow me on, on Facebook, but I'm definitely more active on and responsive on Instagram. So if you guys have any, you have any lines you're you're looking for advice on, don't be afraid to hit up our DMs, man. We're we're here for you, twenty four seven. And Derek, I got one last thing for you for our listeners, buddy. Go ahead. My dad, who was a gambler for years, he was a security guard over at the uh, at the Harrow's in Tahoe, and he always used to tell me, "When you're a better, you're better." And that's where we are, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that about does it. We're out of time here. Uh, we'll be back next week with NFL Week 1 lines over-unders and touching on NFL futures. Until then, have a good weekend, you guys, and let's make some profits. See you next week. Goodbye.